Hey, what's up? This is Jason from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We're so excited to spend some time with you today. We hope that this message inspires you and makes you continue living life on purpose and for a purpose. Let's jump right into the message. So this thing at 10 o'clock, it seemed like it was a little empty, but you guys packed it out. And I was like, okay, it's going to be good. we got 10 to 15 people here, but you guys showed up. It's absolutely awesome. Let me tell you something real quick. It is an honor to be standing right here. Standing up here with the guitar is one thing, but sitting here speaking the word is another, and I don't take it too lightly at all. This is a very, very cool opportunity for me, and um, I think God's got something good for you. But as Jason said, uh, my name's Jeremy Deloach. I've been coming to church here for about, I don't know, since uh, 1997, 98 year, and um, actually there's a few people, a few faces I see out here that's um, other, is the reason I'm here. I know Brandon uh, Jagger's sitting right there, he, he goes like, hey man, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. He goes, you want to come to Revival tonight? I'm like, sure. That was like 1997 on a Tuesday night, and I've been here since, so it's pretty cool. Uh, so thank you, Brandon, for uh, hearing God's word and inviting me here. But um, again, I am the worship director here. And just real quick before we get started, if you have any small part or a big part of this worship team, production team, or anything, I just want you to take a moment right now and stand up. If you play guitar, if you sing in any capacity, come on, come on, stand up, stand up. Yes. Yes. These guys right here are absolutely, absolutely phenomenal, and I'm honored to be standing on the stage and serving and worshiping with you. It's just really cool. You guys are so awesome to work with, so thank you. All right, so here we are. Today, I get to stand up here and tell you about one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. Of course, there's many great, great stories, but we're going to be talking about Joseph. Now, I don't know if Joseph, if it's my favorite story because Dolly wrote a song about it, The Code of Many Colors or what it is, but Joseph I mean, has such an awesome, awesome story, and it actually comes from one of my most favorite books in the Bible, which is Genesis. So many cool things, the beginning. You know, there's war, there's love, there's all kinds of stuff going on in the very first book of the Bible. And I'll tell you, it's cool. It's, um, Joseph had many ups and downs, and we're going to see some insight from what God sees versus what we see. And I think that's so important. So many times we, we focus on just what's right here in front of us, what we see. But what God sees is so, 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 so cool. Now, I'm sure you're up here looking. Now, today was really about bringing God's word, but also today was to show Jason how to use props on stage. And ladies and gentlemen, that's right. What we see here is some motorcycle parts. It's very cool. We don't have little, we don't have playhouses up here. You know, we don't have, we don't have kid cages Oh my goodness, over here we have an awesome, come on, drum roll please, come on, give it to me, come on, look at that, oh, would you look at that, oh, would you look at this, oh my goodness, in first opinions it says, thou shalt ride a Harley Davidson, this is the best bike in my opinion in the world. Now, I just spoke to somebody earlier and um, she says she rides a Ducati, now I will not go toe-to-toe with her on that Ducati for sure, but I will be louder than she will. So anyway, all right, so we'll get right into it. The story of Joseph, we're going to be, um, what's good, we're going to actually start at the end, then we're going to get right to it. So um, we're going to start with Genesis 41. So if you've got your Bibles today, turn with me to Genesis chapter uh, 41, otherwise it should be up on the screen. And so it's when Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. This, this is one of those big uh, moments where a pastor gives you one of these facts, and you're going to be impressed here. Egypt is about three times the size of New Mexico. Now, wasn't that a cool fact? 
Okay, that'll be on the test later. All right, so we'll start at verse 46, Genesis chapter 41, verse 46. It says, he, being Joseph, was 30 years old. How old was he? 30, when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. Verse 47, as predicted, for seven years the land produced bumper crops. Now, who knows what a bumper crop is? Maybe if you're an FFA, uh, you may know what that is, but I had to look it up, bumper crop. But a bumper crop is an unusual large size crop. Now, I kind of imagine you stepping on your back porch, maybe in Nebraska, where the land goes on for days and seeing nothing but corn. Just huge, huge crops. Verse 48, it says, During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. So this whole time, God has prepared him. Hey, there's a famine coming. I need you to use the gifts I've given you to start saving up for this. Let's jump down to verse 53. At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. It says, then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened the storehouses and distributed grain throughout to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. Now, we could actually stop right there and end the message right there and say that Joseph, we always say it here, that Joseph was made on purpose for a purpose. So he's 30 years old. He's prepped. He's made ready. He's been obedient to God to get this moment ready for this famine. Now, you guys may relate to this famine. We had a famine last year with crisis in toilet paper. It's a little bit different with grain and, and food, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. So it was a serious situation. So now we're going to back up all the way to the beginning of Joseph when he came, when he came in on the scene. So uh, we're going to jump to uh, chapter 37. All right, so we're going to start with verse 2. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, how old was he? 17, okay, so he was 30 years old when the famine came. And so now when he comes on the scene, he's 17 years, 17 years old. Now, my math from Beach High School, that's going to be 13 years. And um, that's important to know because it took him 13 years to get to the point where God needed him for his purpose. So he was 17 years old. He often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilia and Zilpah. Now, if I was in seminary, I would be able to pronounce those names correctly. Um, but we'll just go with that. We'll go with Bilha and Zilpa. Does that work for you? All right, works for me. Thank you. But Joseph reported to his father. This is pretty cool right here. Actually, it's not cool, but it's important. It says, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So right there off the bat, it tells you Joseph was being a little tattletale. He was trying to get his big brothers in trouble. Verse 3, it says, Jacob, 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 Loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Now, that, see that see verse 3 right there? That's actually something I can relate to. Because my parents love me more than my older brother. I mean, right? My mom's here. I mean, right? No, we're just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, we know that Jason was just as equal as I was. 
Uh, we'll keep that between me and you. Anyway, Jacob loved by Joseph. He loved him more than anything. <clears throat> so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, which was a beautiful robe. In verse 4, it says, But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Joseph said, listen to this dream. He says, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles gathered all around and bowed low before mine. Now, I don't know. I kind of read this as Joseph's kind of saying, you know, he's 17 years old. If you have a teenager, you know they're kind of cocky. You know, they kind of know what they think they know what they're doing. You know, they're into all the cool stuff. I kind of see Joseph going, hey, let me tell you about this dream. He's up here holding his coat of many colors. Let me tell you about this dream. My grain stood up, and uh, your grain just hit the floor. Now, I don't know if that's what he did, but he seemed kind of cocky about it to me. So his brothers didn't care for that at all and made him even more set on top of everything else. So here's Joseph. He's 17 years old. He's the favorite son. He's a tattletale. Why wouldn't his brothers like him? I mean, come on. Down in verse 17, a few passages down, his brothers, they see him wandering in a field. Joseph, I mean, how could you not miss Joseph? He's walking. His, his dad sent him out to check on his brothers in the flock. And the brothers saw him walking, and they're like, okay, here he comes. I see that coat of many colors coming down here. We're going we're to do something about this. Today is the day that we get our redemption. We're going to rip that coat off of him, and we're going to kill him. So the brothers had a plan. They were going to kill him. They're going to rip the coat off. And then one of the brothers like, you know what? You know, he is, our, he is our brother. He is our blood. Maybe we shouldn't kill him. Let's just, let's just maybe put, hide him away, and then we'll figure something out. So they grabbed him. They ripped this coat off, and they threw him in a cistern or a pit, a place that holds water, a little reservoir or whatever, and there was no water in it. So they threw him in there. Now, I don't know how long he was in this place. But then they saw, the brothers saw some Ishmaelites coming along. They said, you know what? We're not going to kill him. We're not going to hurt him. We're just going to give him to him. Let's sell him to him. Let them do the damage. Then we're, we're, we're set free. So they pulled him out of the cistern, the pit. They, they sold him to the Ishmaelites for like, I think, 20 pieces of silver. And then they went on their separate ways. So I don't know about you. I don't know... And when Joseph, when he was in this spot, if he was saying, okay, what in the world did I do for this to happen to me? You know, my father, whom loves me the most, gave me this jacket. Now, my brothers have ripped this off of me. They've shredded it. What have I done to be in this spot? You know, maybe how much pride do you think was sitting in? Again, he's the favorite son. He's told his dreams that he would maybe rule over his, his brothers and the world. They didn't like it. Now, I think pride was setting in. I think pride was a big part of Joseph, that young pride where he thought he was better. So let me ask you a question. How many times have you seen in your life, like big, big people, like big names, like CEOs of, of multi-million dollar companies or maybe even some of our... Um, government people, or just maybe some neighbors down your road where they have showed their ugly face, they have shown pride, and it absolutely destroyed them. Pride gets in the way of so, so many good things. Let me ask you another question. How many times has pride gotten your way? 
Pride can absolutely destroy the greatest, greatest, greatest things. And I'll tell you what, until pride is stripped away, you know, it's, it's, it's scary to say that until it's stripped away, we can miss the greatest gift of all, and that's God's blessing. We can miss the whole destiny. Now, I'm going to tell a story about the first time I got on a Harley-Davidson. And um, it was pretty cool. And, you know, so I was, like, I was thinking it was like 2003. The 100th anniversary just came out. I was like, you know what? I'm single. I'm going to get me a Harley-Davidson. And so um, I did. I went and bought one. And um, it took me about a week to get out of the driveway. But when I did, it was smooth sailing from there. The wind was in my hair. Actually, my hair. <laughs> anyway. So I was ready to I was ready to take take this for adventure downtown, and so um, actually a friend from work invited me down. He's like, "Hey, I got a couple of guys that got some motorcycles, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna head downtown. We're gonna grab something to eat here in like Rivergate. I think we went to B Dubs when it was in Rivergate. This is a long time ago, and we're gonna head downtown. And we're gonna just gonna cruise the town. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So I've got my Harley all shined up, got it all the chrome spitting up. And we're about to leave this restaurant, and man, I thought I was something else. I was, um, I was trying to impress some people that I didn't really know, for one. Trying to be somebody I wasn't. But I saw these couple of ladies walking down the sidewalk about to go into the restaurant. I'm like, oh, check this out. I'm going to impress them. I'm like, how you doing? See my Harley right here? This is my bike. So I turned my bike on. I pushed the button to get ready for it to go through its cycle. I strap my helmet on, and then I go, and I push the start button. And what I didn't realize is that my motorcycle was still in gear from when I turned it off. So when I pushed that start button, not only did my bike go in front of me, it almost hit these two ladies that I was trying to impress. So immediately, I had, to, I had to actually catch my bike. I had to grab it by the handle, handlebar. Of course, it's heavier than I am. I was sitting here. The bike's kind of laying on me. Luckily, it, it, it just when you hit that start button, it just kind of rolls. It kind of takes off. Well, it scared me to death, and my night was ruined because of that. Now, many other things happened. We won't go into that, but it was absolutely amazing. But right then, I was trying to be somebody I wasn't. I was cooler than I thought I was. Had that hog. I was ready to go. You know, just spit shine, ready to go. And I messed up. I think a little pride, a little youthful pride got in the way. Has it ever happened to you? Yes, that's exactly right. I know it has. Thank you for saying that. But let me tell you something else. Joseph was worried about, you know, they call it the, the pit test, so to say. So when Joseph, excuse me, I got chewing gum in my mouth and it's about to drive me nuts. But when Joseph was in that pit, he was sold to the, the Ishmaelites, and he was, he was held on by some handcuffs. They said they was walking through the desert for about 30 days. You know, I wonder if he was sitting there going like, okay, God, I've messed something up. I've missed this. You know, do you ever ask yourself how you sometimes get in the place in life where you're in the pit? How did I get here? How did I get here? You know, everyone needs to recognize real fast that there's going to be pits for everybody. There's going to be low spots in our life. God is telling us that right there. There's going to be pits throughout. If you're married, you'll understand this. How many husbands and wives do we have here today? 
Show of hands, husbands and wives. All right, how many times has pride gotten away in your relationship? How many times have you said something, ladies? Of course, the men don't say anything at all, but how many times have you said something that made you go into the pit? Now, I don't know about you, and I, about you, but Michelle and I, you know, we have an awesome, awesome relationship. But there are many times we get little arguments, and then it's just all from there. It's just, it goes, it, it, and it goes crazy. It takes a left turn for whatever reason. You know, then once she realizes that I'm right, she settles down. <coughs> no, but seriously, it gets in the way. Our biggest argument sometimes is, hey, what's for dinner? Then, then the, the whole pride thing takes over. There was a guy that used to go here. His name was Sam Dixon. Absolutely an amazing man. So amazing. If he was here right now, he would say, hey, friend, to you. And he told Michelle and I when we first got married, he says, listen, he goes, you're going to argue. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. But he says, an argument should last for about 60 seconds. He goes, then anything after that is pride. Mm. I was like, whoa, what does that mean? I didn't know what that means. But hey, I'm big and bad. I'm going to take it to the end. But that's so true. Sometimes we say stuff and we, and we, we don't mean it. But after 60 seconds... We need to just back down. I'm going to read this verse. It comes from John 16, 33. We're getting back on the pit. But it says, in the world, it says you will have tribulation or trouble. See, God knew that Joseph had pride. God knew that Joseph was going to be in this little area in his life in this pit at 17 years old. God knows what pits you might be in right now. He knows what kind of pits you were yesterday. He knows what kind of pits you're going to be tomorrow. The next day, and the next day, and the next day, and they're on. Now, you can choose to do one or two things. You could be in the pit, and you could totally miss the opportunity to grow, or you can overcome it. See, when we're in the pit, the enemy sometimes wants us to focus on our own circumstances rather than focusing on God's faithfulness. And we focus on God's faithfulness, man, what kind of power can that bring? You know, I don't know. Sometimes we blame the world. Sometimes you may stand in the mirror and you may look at yourself and you don't like what you see. I don't know. And I'm not talking about the physical appearance. I'm talking about within. Sometimes you may stand up and you go, oh my God, what's going on? He said, hey, I'm right there. I'm going to get you through it. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you right now, in the darkness, in the pain, and the suffering, and the financial situation, and the divorce, and the sickness, whatever it is, God is right there. He's saying, hey, if I'm for you, then who can be against me? Swallow your pride. Hop on. Hop on, my Harley. Let's go for a ride. I want to take you places you've never been. God's favor is all upon you. You just got to ask. You got to want it. You got to be excited about it. The purpose of the pit, and I think Joseph saw this, the purpose of the pit is to get us so, so far down. That the only way to get out is to cry and to call upon our Lord and Savior. 
Now, when I think of a pit, I think of it dark, it being cold, moldy, whatever it is. But the purpose of the pit is to get so far down that we can't get out on our own. It's to cry our way out to God. The pastor Jason gave me this quote. I think it was his pastor that says, it says, we pray to get out of the pit, but God wants us to grow out of the pit. The purpose of the pit is to make us better. Absolutely make us better. See, when Joseph was in the pit, he must have cried out. All right, God, here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to take this next step. So moving on through the story, the Ishmaelites sell him to, to Potiphar, which is the head, head guard in Egypt under Pharaoh. Then step by step, he had test by test. Potiphar's wife came on to him. He shook it off. He did the right thing. What they do through him? They put him in prison for doing the right thing. Test by test, Joseph was ready. On that beginning stage, he was in the pit, and he says, God, I'm crying out to you. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever, ever it takes. I think there was probably 10 or 12 tests. I don't know the number, but there's going to be tests in your life. Let me tell you awesome about God's grace is that God is saying, hey, there's an opportunity here. Now, you may mess up, but I'm not going to give you the big fat F. I'm not going to fail you. We're going to grow from it. We're going to grow from it. You're going to learn to depend upon me. There were several other tests before his destiny was revealed, but each, each test prepared him for the next phase. And I love about this, we say this all the time, that God is on your side. He is on your team. Just reach out. He's right there. And then when we're in that dark place, and in that pit, God's just right there saying, hey, be still. And just say, do this with me. Just say Jesus real soft. Say Jesus. Do it together. One, two, three. Jesus. Do you hear how that echoes right there? Oh, gets me excited, folks. Does that get you excited to know that God is for you and not against you? Does it get you excited? Yes, it does. Absolutely. God is on your side. You cannot do it without him. Now, you may be able to take this next step and maybe go without him. Let me tell you something. It's going to be an epic fail. Epic fail. So I've got these props up here. <clears throat> and it's, have you ever seen testing metals? When they, when they, when they start a metal from the new, they, they, they get it so hot. And what they do is they burn it. And all the impurities... They rise from the metal, and then they scrape it, all the impurities off. And then do it again until it's perfect. That's what God's doing in your life. It's testing it, burning away the dross. There's a song that we used to sing here. Actually, we, we did it a few weeks ago, and it's called Start a Fire. Start a fire in me. Let the flames Run free. And it says right here, burn away the dross. Now, when I first heard that song, this is probably when I first started singing, it was like 2000, I'm like, dross? Did he mean moss? Burn away the moss? I didn't know. But burn away the dross, the dross, the impurities. That God start a fire so hot in me that it burns. It gets rid of all the impurities, all the nasty stuff. That God, that I may be able to shine for you. So, over here on this table, 
It's gonna be, you can look at this. I could use a much smaller, smaller prop, but I did want to show up, Jason, a little bit on the props. But every little piece, these are all motor, motorcycle parts. <clears throat> and every little piece represents a test in your life to get the bigger picture. You know, sometimes we may get everything put together. I'll tell you a story that my wife and our, and our family, Tristan and I, when it's cold outside, we love, love putting together puzzles. You know, they got the fire going, you got some soup on the stove, maybe a Hallmark movie. How many Hallmark movie junkies we got out there? All right, come on, guys. I know there's some guys out there that like some Hallmark. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. Shake it. No, he's like, absolutely not. But we love it. When we, we get these puzzles, the band, y'all want to come on up, y'all can. We get these puzzles broken out. We get all the pieces out together. And then we'll start with the edge. We'll get the whole thing put together piece by piece. And then Michelle will take one corner. I'll take a corner. Tristan, she'll just kind of float around wherever she wants to. But sometimes when you're putting a puzzle together, you get stuck on one piece. You get stuck right here trying to figure out where this one piece goes or trying to find this one piece. Imagine putting a puzzle together without the, without the picture, without any kind of reference in life. Imagine what that would be like. Now, maybe you could do it. But having God on your side is going to get you to the next step. And when you take this piece by piece and you throw it over here, it becomes this beautiful, beautiful masterpiece. And God is saying that when you look in the mirror, he wants you to see him. You are God's creation. You are perfect in God's image. You may do stupid stuff. You may say stupid things. You may act foolish. You may try to show off when you're not supposed to show off, but God's saying, hey, you're mine. I don't need you, but I want you. Now, I don't know if you ever wanted something so bad. Sometimes my wants outweigh the needs for sure, but God wants you. He wants you just to reach out his hand. You don't have to reach far. Just reach out, grab his hand, and take a hold of it. God's going to take you on this awesome, awesome journey. Now, I would much rather be riding this motorcycle. And this is kind of a funny visual, but I will never ride with anybody on a motorcycle except God. God could be my captain everywhere I go. And he might have this T-shirt that says, if you see this, oh boy, Jeremy fell off. Let's not miss the point. The point is to putting the puzzles together. Life is a puzzle. And sometimes when you have a puzzle that's put together and one piece falls off, it's incomplete. So maybe that's another test we have to rise from. You grab that piece, you put it back. God is saying he's right there. That's the point of the day. We're going to get in pits. We're going to have, we're going to have tribulation. But we can arise from that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. I appreciate, I really do appreciate your ear. And uh, I absolutely love, 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 love this opportunity to do this this morning. But if you hear nothing at all, but just hear this one thing. This comes from Hebrews 13, 5. 
It says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Center point family, that should give you comfort. You're here for a purpose. Let's open our eyes. Let's open our heart. The song we're about to sing, it says, I am who you say I am. Let's focus on that this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. And we take this opportunity right now just to give you all the praise. God, this morning, we know that there are situations just in this church family. We know that there are dark moments right now. But God, we know that you're bigger than any situation that we can come across of. We give it to you. God, it's yours. God, I pray that each and every one of us, that we burn away the dross, that you burn it away, that we can step forward, we can shine for you. God, we love you. We thank you. And all of God's people said. If God spoke to you in any way during the course of this message, we want to hear about it. Reach out to us at centerpointtn.com. You can partner with us. You can send us a message. We'd love to connect with you.